You're listening to Stand Out Get Noticed, episode 246. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to Stand Out Get Noticed. I'm your host, Christina Cantors, speaker, coach, and founder of The C Method, where I help high-performing professionals to build powerful communication skills. To get started, join my free Small Talk Made Simple course at thecmethod.com slash free course. That's thecmethod.com slash free course. Okay, Rockstar, so we are asking one of the big questions this week. How do I be happy? I know it's one of those, it's not something that I usually talk about on the podcast, but this is something that I learned while I was on Vipassana. Now, if you tuned in last week, you'll know that I did a podcast about my experience doing the 10-day silent meditation Vipassana course, Um, and I talked about what it was like, how painful it was, what I went through. And I did promise that I would share some lessons, some things that I learned because I learned so much. It was it was full on. I got a lot out of it. And um, this is one of those things, how to be happy or how to not be miserable. So yes, folks, I'm about to share with you the secret to happiness. Here's the thing with happiness, right? Everyone knows intellectually that happiness comes from within, right? Well, if you didn't, then there's your first, there's your first answer to, to happiness. It comes from within. And I always knew this on an intellectual level. Like, yes, I can't get happy, you know, like, you know, buying new shoes isn't going to make me happy. Going on holiday isn't going to make me happy. Getting more money isn't going to make me happy. You know, those material things. I know at an intellectual level, don't bring happiness. I know that happiness comes from within, but I always thought to myself, but how do I, like, how do you access the happiness? How do you draw out the happiness? I know the happiness is inside, but how do I get it out? Like, how do I pull it out? And um, what I learned on Vipassana was that it's not actually about pulling out the happiness. It's not about like finding happiness is not actually about drawing it out or creating happiness. Here's what it's about. You ready? It's about removing the things in your life that make you miserable. I'll repeat that. So to find happiness or to to be happy is not about actually creating happiness. It's about removing what makes us miserable. Now, when I learned this, I was like, mind blown. I was like, that's amazing. And here's what I learned. Here's what makes us miserable. There's two things, according to the Vipassana teachings, two things that make us miserable. Oh, and by the way, I didn't mention this in the the last episode, um, but the Vipassana technique is non-religious. So there's, it's not, they don't teach Buddhism or any other religious teachings and they accept people from any religion. So you can be of any religion, you can be of any background, um, you can be an uh, atheist, doesn't even matter. Um, What they teach is like is universal. Okay. So everything I'm about to share with you here um, is, you know, it's not based in religious teachings at all. So according to the, the teachings, there are two things that make us miserable. Number one, Something unwanted happens to us and we create 
aversion to it, right? So something unwanted happens and we create aversion to it. An example of this could be, you know, getting stuck in traffic, getting a parking ticket, someone says something nasty to you or interrupts you, maybe your flight gets cancelled, maybe you drop your phone and the screen cracks, maybe, you know, you get sick or you get broken up with or your dog gets measles, whatever it is. There, you know, so many things happen, little things, major things, something unwanted happens to to us and we create an aversion. And when I say aversion, um, I'm, I refer, what they refer to as a strong negative emotion. So it might be anger, frustration, fear, sadness, jealousy, you know, oh, that person said that thing to me. How, how dare she, you know, that now I feel awful. Now I feel, you know, I feel undermined or I don't feel appreciated because you said that thing to me. Why wouldn't you say that thing to me? That's like, that's creating aversion to something. You know, your flight gets canceled. Oh, this is terrible. Now I'm going to be late. Oh, my life is the worst. Why do these things always happen to me? You know, that's, that's aversion. So those things are going to create misery within you, right? That's going to make you miserable. If someone does something to you that you don't like and you get angry, you're going to be miserable. If you get frustrated because you're stuck in traffic, you're going to be miserable. And we're constantly in this misery if we continue to create aversion to unwanted things. So that's the first thing that makes us miserable. The second thing that makes us miserable is something that we want does not happen and we create attachment to having it right? So something that we want doesn't happen. And then as a result of not getting it, because we're attached to it, we then are miserable. So for example, let's say um, you're lining up for coffee, right? You really want your coffee in the morning. It's 9am, you need your morning coffee. You're like, oh, so badly want this coffee. It's going to be so good. And then you get to the front of the line and they have run out of coffee. Well, they've run out of cups or they've run out of something and you can't get your coffee. What are you going to do? Many of us will go, oh, but I really wanted that coffee. Now, what am I going to do? I can't work. I'm not going to be out of focus. I really want my coffee. So that in itself is creating misery. So something that we want does not happen. We create attachment to having it and we make ourselves miserable. In the meditations, right, the way that we learned this experientially was we would, we would sit and we would observe the sensations in our body. And because we were sitting for like 10 hours a day meditating, we would often, I mean, I often had pain in my body. And so an example of you know, I would create a version to it. I'd have, I'd find, have a pain in my hip and I'd go, oh, my hip's so sore. Why is it sore? I don't want it to be sore. You know, my body's, my body's crap. It's, you know, I can't sit like this. This isn't fair. And I would start to get frustrated and there's me creating a version to this pain that I'm feeling in my body. It's something that I, that's happened that I don't want, right? And I create a version to it. So that's, that create, that was, that created misery for me. And then, an example of um, how I created it, you could create attachment in the meditations is that you might observe like a, a pleasant tingly sensation or you might observe a nice cool breeze on your cheek or you might observe um, some people had the experience of they were floating and what happens then is that you have a tendency to go, oh, I feel like I'm floating, I'm tingling, this is amazing. And then in the next, the, the next time you sit down to meditate, it doesn't happen and all you do feel is 
pins and needles and stabbing pain in your legs, then all of a sudden you start craving that floating sensation and you think, why am I not floating? Why am I not in a nice tingly feeling? Why am I not? Why, where's that cool breeze come back? It's boiling hot in here. And that in itself creates the misery. And it was interesting because I, I was thinking to myself, but surely it's okay to want something, right? So let's say you like a delicious type of food or you want to go on a, you know, on a particular holiday or you, or you want to hang out with, you know, your favorite people. I asked, I went and asked the teacher because you're allowed to talk. You're meant to be silent. You know, you're not allowed to talk to the other students, but you can talk to the teacher to ask questions. And I asked her, you know, surely like, is it okay to want to eat a type of food and, and look forward to that? And she said, there's a difference between desire and craving. She said, if you, it's okay to desire something, like I desire having that delicious hamburger, but as long as you're not craving it and, um, you know, if it gets taken away from you, you're not upset about it. So I thought this was really interesting because I could understand how things can make us miserable if, you know, if something happens to us and it makes us miserable, I can understand why that makes us miserable. I'm like, okay, I get that. You know, someone says something to you, you don't like it, makes you miserable. Like if I'm, you know, speaking to an audience and someone talks back at me or they, you know, are frowning at me, in my own mind, I'm, I'm going, oh my God, they don't like me. You know, this, that's unwanted that's happening to me. And then that, that makes me, you know, fearful and therefore miserable. But the the attachment to something that we want was more subtle for me, right? It was more subtle for me. It's a more subtle form of misery. And so I decided to test this. I started to think about what are the things in my life, or even right here in the meditation course, what are some of the things that I'm attached to that um, is creating misery for me in a way that I'm not even aware? And I started to test it. And so I realized... I started to think about something that I desired, right? And then I imagined myself not having it or having it taken away from me. So, you know, you can do this right now. So think about something. It could be material, like I want the new iPhone, I want a new car or shoes, I want more money, or it could be intangible. I want that promotion. I want I want to go on this upcoming holiday. I'm looking forward to this party. Or it could even be um, a feeling that you desire. So happiness, pleasure, accomplishment, appreciation, right? Something you desire. Now, imagine yourself not having it or have it being taken away from you. So think about like, you know, you get your new iPhone and you unwrap it, you unpeel the plastic off and you're like, oh, yay. And then what happens if someone steals it or you drop it straight away and it breaks, right? So that thing's taken away from you. What feelings does that then create? Do you feel upset? Do you feel disappointed or angry? And if so, if this is the case, this means that you are attached and this attachment is making you miserable. I'll give you an example. I was, well, Aaron and I had tickets to um, Rainbow Serpent Festival, which happens over Australia Day weekend, which is the weekend we just had. We bought tickets. We buy tickets every year and every year I'm looking forward to it so much, looking forward to it, looking forward to it. And then late last year, we realized that we couldn't go because we just bought our new home and then settlement date and moving the moving weekend was going to be that same weekend. And we thought, oh, we're going to have to sell our tickets. We just can't figure out a way around this. We're going to have to not go. 
So that thing that, and, and I was looking forward to it so much, you know, I look forward to it every year. And then that thing was taken away from, from both of us. And we both felt miserable. We felt frustrated. We felt sad. We're like, oh, but we were so looking forward to going. And then when I was in Vipassana, I realized that I was creating that misery because that thing that I wanted, even though I, it was like a source of happiness for me at the time, because it was a source of, you know, excitement, looking forward to it, um, you know, and enthusiastic about it. Even though that was like feelings of happiness, taking it away actually created feelings that made me miserable. So it's really interesting to understand how the things that we think make us happy are actually making us miserable. The things that we desire and have attachment to and think that bring us joy, let's say you're going shopping, right, and you're, oh, I really want these new shoes. They're going to make me so happy. As soon as I have those shoes, they're going to make me happy. Um, but as soon as you – if you get the shoes and then someone takes them away or you can't get them, so let's say they don't have your size, right, then you you feel sad, you feel upset. And then all of a sudden that thing that was supposed to make you happy is also the cause of your misery. So the idea is is to remove that, right, to remove those attachments. Um, so when I was on the – I'll tell you a story, story. When I was on the meditation course, I started to test this and I had noticed that I had developed a deep attachment to breakfast. Now on the course, breakfast was our first – quote unquote, reward for the day because we'd woken up at four o'clock, we meditated from 4.30 to 6.30 and then breakfast was at 6.30. So that 6.30 a.m. bell that rang to signal breakfast was like, oh, it was music to my ears. And we were treated to a smorgasbord of delicious breakfast. There was cooked oats, yogurt, stewed fruit, muesli, fresh fruit and toast and herbal teas and coffee. And over the first few days, I experimented with building my perfect breakfast. You know, I was like, oh, what are the bits that I like? And I decided, I, well, I came to, you know, my, my perfect breakfast, which was um, a delicious combination of yogurt and stewed fruit that was topped with shredded coconut and sesame seeds and nuts and cinnamon and the crowning glory, slices of fresh banana. All right, so this was my my perfect breakfast that I began to, you know, crave every morning because it was like a reward for me after getting up so early. And I would take my time to slowly savour it each morning. And then on, I think it was either day six or day seven, I'm at the breakfast line, right, because it's like a long buffet and you sort of get in line with, with people and you move through. I'm moving through the breakfast line and when I look, I look to the end of the table and I see the fruit bowl with one banana left. And of course, the the sliced banana on my breakfast is the, is the best bit, right? It's my favorite bit of breakfast. And there is one woman in the line in front of me. And I see her looking at the fruit bowl. And in my mind, I silently beg, please don't take the banana. Please don't take the banana. Please don't take the banana. She reaches out and grabs the banana. I start to stress in my mind and I'm thinking, okay, Okay, she's taking the banana. I think, okay, don't stress. Maybe she'll cut it in half. She'll cut it in half. It's a big banana. Surely she can't eat the whole banana. She's going to cut it in half. She'll put the other half back and then I'll be able to have my banana and have my perfect breakfast. And I watch in silent desperation as she proceeds to slice the entire banana over her oats. Now, if this had happened on day four, I would have had a silent internal tantrum because remember, we can't actually say anything, right? We have to be silent. I can't actually say to this lady, oh, do you mind if I 
have half of that banana. Do you mind sharing that with me? There's none of that. You just have to go for it, just grab it, and you can't say anything. And so if this if this happened on day three or four, I would have had a, a, a tantrum inside. I can just imagine my internal dialogue would have run, that's not fair. I wanted that banana. Why would you take the whole thing? She's so greedy. Why don't they put out more bananas? Damn it. You should have got to breakfast early, Christina. You need to get there early so that you can get the banana. Like that's what would have gone in my head. And then that would have created a lot of misery for me, right? Over a banana. Like some of you might be thinking, Christina, that's ridiculous. But seriously, like these were something as simple as wanting banana on my breakfast, I had created attachment to. And when I couldn't get the banana, I then began to feel miserable. This is what happens when we get attached to things, no matter how small. Now, thankfully, this was day seven when this incident occurred, and I was much wiser and slightly more enlightened than I was on day four. Um, So as I watched the last banana make its final resting place on someone else's bowl, I thought to myself, I'm not attached to having this banana. I'm not attached to having this banana. I do not need this banana to make me happy. I am non-reactive to no more bananas. And with that, I selected a nice looking nectarine instead. And I sliced that over my breakfast and I continue, continued to enjoy my meal. Was it as good as the banana breakfast? Maybe not, but I was able to still enjoy my breakfast in peace without being upset about missing out on the banana. So here's the thing. The reason we are not happy is because we make ourselves miserable. And this banana incident was an example of how I how how something so simple could have made me really miserable. But what happened on day seven, and I mentioned this last week, so I was basically miserable during Vipassana. It was 10 days. I was miserable for the first seven days, desperately unhappy for the first, well, first six days. And on day seven, I had an epiphany where I realized that I had been making myself miserable the entire time. And it was because I had been creating attachments to some to things that I did not want and aversions to things that happened to me that I did not want. So those two things that I that I mentioned that causes misery misery, I was experiencing them and I was creating them myself. For example, when I was in the meditations and you're there for like 90 minutes, two hours, I desperately wanted the meditations to end so I could come out of my physical pain, so I could move around and so that I could, you know, come out of my boredom. So I wanted, I wanted the break. I wanted to be on break, but I couldn't be there. I had to be in meditation. So I wanted something and I couldn't get it. So I was miserable. And then as soon as, so I was thinking, oh, if only I can be on break. Oh, can't wait until breakfast. Can't wait until lunch. Can't wait until the break so I can move around. And then when I was on break, initially I'd be like, yes, I'm on break. I get to eat. I get to drink. I get to go to the bathroom. Yes, I get to move around. I'm out of meditation. Great. And then as soon as I, you know, finish my meal, I'd be like, uh, I still have like another hour and 15 minutes for, on break. What on earth am I going to do in this time? And I was in so much boredom. I think, oh, when is break going to end? And so I was craving or wanting the break to end, but I couldn't have it. 
And so I was miserable on the break. And then I'd be in back in meditation, desperately wanting to be on break. And then on break, desperately wanting to for the break to end. So I was in this constant state of misery, constant state of misery. And then on day seven, I realized that oh, I had been, I have been creating, I've been, I've been creating attachments. And so it was in that moment that I decided I am not going to crave to be out of the meditation. I'm not going to crave for the break to end. I'm just going to be present in the moment and observe what's going on as is. And as soon as I made that realization, a huge weight just lifted off my shoulders and I felt so at peace. Now, I'm not going to say that I felt overjoyed, happy. I wasn't like, woohoo, I'm super happy now. It was more of a inner peace, inner contentment with and just being okay with where I was. And you know what's interesting? Nothing else had changed. My environment was the same. I was still in this very quiet prison. I still was not allowed to talk to anyone. I still had to meditate for 10 hours a day. I still had very strict meal times and bedtimes. I had a, a lot of rules. Everything else was the same except my mindset had shifted. And as once I had that realization, I started to think about what were the other areas of my life where I was also doing this? Where else was I making myself miserable? And I realized that I was doing this um, with the weather. So for example, in wintertime, I'd be like, oh, it's so cold. I just want it to be warmer. And then in the summertime, I'd be like, oh, it's so hot. I wish it was cooler. And it's like, it's ridiculous when you think about it. Constantly wanting it, wanting something else, that, that wanting something that you don't have. I was in, you know, this perpetual misery. And it's the same with, I was like wanting to go on holiday as well. Like if I had a, a trip coming up, I remember, so Aaron and I went to Europe a couple of years ago for six weeks. Amazing, right? And I remember I was looking so forward to going to Rome and I was thinking, oh, Rome's going to be so good. I'm going to be creative. I'm going to write my book. I'm going to sit in the courtyard and drink cappuccino and write and be creative and amazing. I'm going to make all this stuff. And then when I was there, I was like, oh, I'm so tired. I don't want to get up and do work. And oh, it's you know, working is so much easier when I'm at home, when I have my proper office and my proper desk set up and proper internet that works. So I was actually, you know, I'm not saying that I was miserable in Rome, but I was creating elements of misery while I was there. And is this, has this happened to you before where you're like, con- like wanting, like craving to be on holiday. And then when you're on holiday, kind of wishing, like wanting to be back home again. And I, I noticed that I was doing this. So this is something that I became acutely aware of and I realized, you know what, I want to start not doing this. You know, I want to start removing these attachments, removing this aversion from my life. So I'm going to share with you how you can start to do this. Um, And a note before I start is that something else that they teach us in Vipassana is that... um, you need to learn things at an experiential level. So this is why we had to sit for 10 hours a day because that we were experiencing the depths of pain, you know, the depths of like not wanting to be there. And I, so I learned it at a very deep 
um, experiential level. So learning by listening to this podcast will give you an intellectual understanding. You'll be like, oh yeah, I get that, Christina. I understand. But it won't give you the experiential learning. Um, So this is why, like, this is why I run programs like my group program and the academy, because I know that simply listening to this podcast is not enough if you don't take action. So that's why I run my programs with, with, um, you know, in groups um, to provide people with the accountability and the structure to learn something experientially. Okay, so with that side note, um, how how do you how can you then start to remove those sources of misery? So the first step is to observe what is currently happening. So observe as what is currently happening, not as what you would like it to be. This is what we had to do during the meditations. We had to observe the breath. For the first three days, we just observed the breath and it was observe the breath as it is, not as you would like it to be. So if it's breathing, in, if you're breathing in through one nostril and out through one nostril, that's okay. Don't judge it. If your breath is shallow, just observe. If your breath is deep, just observe. Don't think to yourself, I wish my breath was more even or I wish it was deeper or I wish I could breathe through both nostrils and my nose wasn't blocked. Instead of wanting what you don't have, just observe what it is. So something that I've started to do is, for example, with the weather, is when the weather's really hot, I just observe and I go, the weather's really hot today. I don't go, oh, it's so terrible that it's hot today because that's then you're creating judgment and you're saying, I don't want it to be hot, right? And I don't say things like, oh, I wish it was cooler today. I'm just saying it's really hot today. I feel the hot sun on my skin. So it's a purely ob- pure observation. Or if it's cold, I notice, I observe and I go, I notice I have, um, I, you know, I notice I'm shivering, for example. I notice a cool, a cold breeze on my legs as opposed to going, oh, it's so cold, this wind, I can't stand it. Because there you go again, creating more misery. Um, so that's a, that's a simple example. You can think about it like you're a scientist, right? So when a scientist is doing an experiment, they don't, when they get, they, they make a hypothesis and they say, okay, this is what I ex- think is going to happen. This is my hypothesis. If the experiment doesn't, uh, if it, if it, if the hypothesis isn't correct, the scientist doesn't go, oh no, it's not correct. Oh, I wish it was, you know, I'm, I'm so upset at myself. It's not fair. They don't get emotionally involved. They just observe and go, hmm, hypothesis incorrect. Let's try again. Right? They don't get attached to the outcome. Well, that's that's as far as my understanding is in terms of what a scientist does anyway. They observe. They observe the data. They write it down, um, and they don't they don't get emotionally attached to it. The second step, well, the second thing that I learned that I think is really important, is to realize that whatever it is that you're observing, it's impermanent. This is one of the teachings of Vipassana, which I loved. It really resonated with me. There's a word for it, um, anicca. I hope I'm saying that right. Anicca, A-N-I-C-C-A, which means that everything is impermanent. So let's take the the weather example. You know, you've got cold, cold wind on your legs and your hairs are standing up and you're shivering. When you tell yourself, this is impermanent. Nothing is permanent. Everything rises and passes, rises and passes. Then you think, okay, it's not going to last forever. So there's no point getting upset about it because it's going to go away anyway. 
This happened at Vipassana when we had like a 40 plus degree day, 40 degrees plus Celsius, and it was boiling, boiling hot. And I remember like normally I think, oh, this is so unbearable. I can't be outside. But I remember thinking to myself, you know what? This is Melbourne. It's probably going to pass by and tomorrow is going to be cool again. And that allowed me to keep a level head. And you know what? It did. The weather turned fine the next day. So if you're experiencing something where, I don't know, maybe like your kid is screaming at you or um, the train is delayed or, you know, you burn yourself with your coffee, I'm not sure, just tell yourself, this is impermanent. The pain that I'm feeling right now, whatever's happening right now, it's not going to last forever. So there's no point getting attached to it. There's no point uh, getting frustrated or angry about it because it's not going to last anyway. So why waste my energy? So that's the second thing that you can do. And then the third thing that you can do, so once you've observed what is happening, you realize that it's not permanent, then your mind is balanced enough where you can take action in a way that benefits you and benefits others. So when you don't observe, right, what happens is when you don't pause and observe, we react. You know, we react. We yell or we, you know, stomp stomp around or maybe we get physically um, ill or something, you know, something happens. We have, a, we have a reaction to that thing that happens. Maybe if you're about to give a presentation or you're in a, a meeting, um, you're, you know, you, you start to get like sweaty palms or your heart races or then you might start to rush your words um, or you'll stumble, that sort of thing. That's a reaction. If you're able to observe what's happening and examine it objectively like a scientist and go, oh, isn't that interesting? This is happening or that just happened. When when you're able to do that, you you then have a balanced mind to then act in a way that then benefits you and others. So to sum up, the way that we can be happy is not so much to draw out the happiness, but it's about removing the things that make us miserable. When unwanted things happen, observe it and don't react. If you crave something, be okay with letting it go. When we can remove those things that create the misery, it's interesting because what is left is not necessarily happiness, but it's inner peace, a level of contentment with the world. And final thing I want to say is that happiness, well, expecting to be happy all the time is actually not realistic because things are going to happen to us all the time that aren't going to create happiness. You know, you're not expected to be happy if someone close to you passes away or if you get really sick. You know, you can't be overjoyed happy all the time. So aiming for happiness as a constant is actually not not realistic and not possible. A better goal is to aim to be at peace and content. That is a much more achievable and more realistic uh, constant to work towards. So if you can remove the the aversion to what makes you miserable. If you can remove your attachments to things, what is left is in that that constant level of inner peace. And you will go through life being feeling at peace, feeling balanced, feeling tranquil, and confident that whatever happens, you will be prepared for and that you will be able to to take on. Now, I can hear you thinking or saying, 
Yeah, Christina, really easy to say, much harder to do. And you're absolutely right. I've had many, many instances since Vipassana where I have created attachments and I've noticed myself feeling miserable because of certain things. And then I've had to remind myself, ah, oh, remember what you learned. So this isn't something that just happens overnight. This is something that happens bit by bit, bit each day, each day. So I encourage you to firstly be aware of what you might be attached to, what are some things that happen to you that you create a version to, and how can you start to let them go? Just as I did with the banana, let it go. You do not need it. You do not, you do not need it to be happy. You are unattached, unattached. Maybe you can try chanting that to yourself. <laughs> and if we can start to do that, Eventually, we will find that inner peace. And that, my friends, is how to be happy. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, Rockstar. Um, and in exciting news as well, uh, as an end note, the C Method Academy is launching in February. The Academy is my monthly members only monthly training and accountability program. Um, if you want to join or get more information on joining, sign up for my free Small Talk Made Simple course. You'll become a subscriber and you'll be the first to be notified of when the Academy launches. So check the link in the description of this episode in your podcasting app uh, for that link and to sign up. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Uh, keep on being awesome and I'll talk to you next week. I'm Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. Get Noticed.